If you've ever thought of quilting your own projects but just don't know where to start, I have the perfect first steps for you. I've put together a PDF guide. I call it Three Steps Toward Freehand Freedom. These are the baby steps, but they can help you move past your overwhelm and show you that yes indeed, freehand quilting can be learned. So if you'd like to snag this PDF, there's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started. Seeing what people create with my fabric, that's like one of the most rewarding things. Like, you know, if people tag me on social media, um, I get to see it, or people out and about, you know, at a local quilt store and they tell me what something they've made, that's really, really fun. Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafters' stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them. I'm your host, Susan Smith, and I'm coming to you from my quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. This is where my long arm, Lucy, and I spend lots of hours doing freehand, edge-to-edge quilting. And if you're not a quilter and those terms mean nothing to you, it's basically doodling on the surface of a quilt with a 50-pound writing utensil with needle and thread attached at high speed. And if you are a machine quilter, I invite you to tune in to the live and unscripted events that I host on my YouTube channel, also called Stitched by Susan. They're on the first and third Friday of every month, and they are usually one project from start to finish in real time, and they're streamed live, so they're interactive, meaning you can ask questions and get answers about a project while I'm working on it. So I invite you to join me there again the first and third Friday of every month. The quilting community, as I'm sure you already know, is so diverse, so colorful, and supportive. So I invite you to listen in as we meet a new quilter each week and hear their stories. Today's Pins and Needles is brought to you by The Will and Dave Show. Hi, I'm the Will half of The Will and Dave Show, a short little podcast that myself and the eponymous Dave like to record talking about the things that really matter to us, whether that's social, political, or pop culture. Usually we don't see eye to eye, but more often than not, we can find some common ground in there somewhere. And now, back to pins and needles, with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there. When you are quilting and using an acrylic ruler, and this tip will apply whether you're at a long arm quilting machine as I am, or whether you're working at your domestic sewing machine, and you need to divide up a space that does not divide equally into easy segments. So for example, it's a five inch chunk and you need to divide it into three. That does not divide evenly. But an easy way to do it instead of um, struggling with those divisions each and every time you're marking that area, figure it out once and put the markings on your ruler with a Sharpie. Now don't get scared. Go ahead and jot them just along the edge of your ruler with a Sharpie marker Proceed to use it as often as you need to throughout your quilt, and those marks will wipe off super easily with a little swab of rubbing alcohol. Super, super easy. You know I love my coffee. In fact, I've got a fresh pot brewing right now. If you are interested in supporting this podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash stitched by Susan. There for the price of one delicious coffee, you are able to make a one-time contribution or sign up for a monthly one if you so desire. 
Thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate it. And maybe take a moment now to refill your cup as you settle back to enjoy today's interview. Brett Lewis of Natural Born Quilter is a very talented fabric designer and a fellow Northern Canadian. His fabric collections are rich with flora and fauna from his life and travels, and even family mementos and stories, and color, lots of gorgeous, gorgeous color. Welcome, Brett, to my studio. So good to get a chance to visit with you. Thanks so much for having me, Susan. This is just great. Brett and I are fellow Canadians, and which doesn't mean that we know each other, although some people say, hey, do you know that guy up in Northern Canada? Because they think <laughs> we do all know each other. But anyway... Um, so it was, it's been really fun to watch your progress as you have become a fabric designer over the years and to just, you know, it just feels local and, and kind of special. So before we sort of dive into what you do currently, how did you get into quilting? Has this been, you know, was crafting and quilting a family trait or were you introduced by someone or how did that door open for you? Yeah, it's it's definitely been... A uh, whirlwind of a journey. I am not from a uh, quilting family per se, like no one in my immediate family quilted. Um, I mean, growing up on a farm, we had my mom had a sewing machine, but it was for hemming pants and making curtains and what have you. So um, no quilting there. I do remember some quilts from my childhood from like great aunts or whatever. Um but not really my aesthetic. And it wasn't until I actually became a dad um, that I was gifted a baby quilt for my sister-in-law. And that's how I kind of dove into the craft by admiring the fabrics. I mean, like, oh, this is something I was not aware of. Um, and seeing it as a whole other new art form, like textile artistry. And uh, that was back in, I've been sewing and quilting for six years now. So it's quite a, it was quite a whirlwind fast paced journey from making my first baby quilt to now just releasing my third fabric collection. So it's kind of crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. I love to hear that. And I think quite often there's this perception in people that didn't grow up with quilts that they're kind of granny things. You know what I mean? Maybe the dull colors, 100%. maybe the calico prints. And all of a sudden when people meet some more contemporary designers, and I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of fabric designers out yeah. there and you find something that just clicks and that's like, oh, that's my medium right there. That's my happy place. That was the thing. Like I always really loved art and color and home decor. So it was really interesting going into my first quilt store uh, that was like one of the first recommendations my, my mother-in-law is a quilter as well and she said make sure you go to a quality fabric store right and it was like really good advice and went in and I was like "Ooh, this is because it's like a palette like just a palette and walls and walls on prints and colors and so for true. someone who likes color that it was really fun and overwhelming and exciting and I remember going into when I first got started she said oh I'll make I'll make your son um like her grandson, uh, quilt for his big boy bed when he moves. So go buy the fabric. I went in. I don't remember. I'd never been in a fabric store before and a quilt store. And it was sold by the meter up in Canada. And I think I bought eight meters of fabric for like a twin size bed for the top because I didn't know what just I was doing. Case. And then I, yeah. And I was just like, oh, like, oh, I like this. And they didn't necessarily go, they went together a little bit, but it was like, um, it's so funny from, from that to, uh, then, 
it sat with her for a long time. She's a bit of a procrastinator. And she's like, you know, maybe you should just sign up for a cool thing class. So I signed up for a beginner's cool thing class where you made a baby quilt from choosing fabrics to cutting, piecing, quilting, and hand binding. Like it was a, I think a four, you know, evening course type thing and uh, got a sewing machine not a single other person signed up for the class. It was generally oh always really popular. And for whatever reason, that semester they did it or whatever that spring, no one had signed up. And the shop owner saw how invested. And I think it was, she was like, okay, this is a good investment of my time. Because I went back to that fabric store a lot over the, the years following. And she gave me like a few private lessons in the evenings when they were open late on a Thursday night. And and then tagged me onto one a more advanced class for the cool thing just to be in the room. And uh, yeah, I think in that first year of learning to make that baby quilt, I think I made eight quilts like that. Wow. I quilted them all myself as well. And they were like, got to be bigger quilts, like a couple of doubles. And I think maybe one queen. So uh, yeah, it was a lot. I really dove in really, really head first and really quickly. So that's awesome. So, so where in that timeline then did the idea of designing fabric um, come to you? <sighs> And did you go and pursue it or did someone come, you know, and and see your talent and look for you? That was never in my wildest dreams, like uh, something I was like, oh, I'll just think about becoming a fabric designer. Thinking, I'd like to grow up to be a fabric designer. Yeah, yeah. Like my day job is in agriculture and that's what I went to university for, like bachelor science um, in agriculture and love that. And I've always really loved art. And so it was really interesting finding a medium that I, that really spoke to me. Um, so it was really fun discovering the art of quilting and all the different things you could do and color and stuff. And I think I, in that first year of discovering quilting, I think it was back in 2016, I like many people made a dedicated quilting Instagram account because I was like, Oh, maybe I'm bombarding family and friends with a lot of this quilting stuff. And it was, it was suggested it's like, oh, maybe you want to make an, your own. I was like, okay, that's smart. So, you know, branded branded the name Natural Born Quilter. My sister suggested it. And then uh, I think, yeah, I said I made like eight to 10 quilts that first year. And then it was August of 20. You're making me think back here. The last few years have been such a blur. Season I know. With everything. I so know. I think it was August of 2018. I was on, you know, I have this, this quilting bug bad when I'm on a quilting cruise. So I went on a quilting <laughs> cruise to Alaska with a friend and it was actually while I was on that quilting cruise that I got an email from Northcott Fabrics saying, we've been following you on social media and Instagram, and we really love what you're doing with color and kind of contemporary piecing and everything have you ever thought about becoming a fabric designer it was like a detailed email from the design director you don't need to be a classically trained artist if you have a concept and some ideas we can bring it to delight to life pardon me with our design team and uh i was like oh i don't think i can turn this opportunity down like it no was kidding. like i'm at so i'm nice. at sea sewing with a whole bunch of like 99 other quilters and i'm like Hmm. Okay, I think the universe is saying something here. So, you know, that was that was 2018. And then I think I signed my contract that fall. And then fast forward a year later, I was at Fall International Quilt Market with my first fabric collection, Stag and Thistle. So it was crazy. <laughs> Still surreal. 
I and I still love that first collection. I I got some samples of it from Northcott Fabric. They were gracious yeah. enough to give me some for an original pattern of my own that I was releasing, and I just loved and to this day marvel over those fabrics. The color, I mean, obviously that's your thing, but I felt like your colors were quite unique in it, and so I encourage our listeners to go have a look <laughs> at Stag and Thistle and. Um, mm-hmm. Just dive right into that. So you, 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 you can, some places you can still get it if you're savvy, but it's hard to find now because I have people mention like, oh, I just found you. I want that first collection. I was like, oh, like, you know, some of the popular ones are gone. But yeah, you're a little late um, to the party. Yeah. Well, secret, I still have some of that yardage. <laughs> I'm hanging <laughs> on to that with both hands. So you kind of led into my next question, which is, Brett, I was going to ask if I could kind of pick your brain a little bit about what that design process looks like. Like, I have no aspirations to be a fabric designer, but I'm fascinated by it. So you said, you know, you don't necessarily have to be a classically trained artist, but what skills do you need to get started in that? You know, does it come from photographs or motifs or sketches or computer manipulations with software? You know, what does it take? Yeah, I think it's different for everyone. Um, I'll speak for myself. I know, I mean, and there are a lot of classically trained artists that become surface pattern designers that do go into fabric design. Um, there are various courses you can take and what have you. And I've kind of like, I contemplated that and such, but you know, for my process, I wanted each collection to be super personal to me because then I could, I mean, without without saying this weirdly, but I could sell it because I was so passionate about it, right? Like yes, speak to yes. it. So everything that went into my each collection I've done so far is from a, a very memorable time in my my life or a place that I've lived, and I've always been in love and inspired by nature's flora and fauna, plants and animals. I mean, I went to school for that and growing up on a farm and in nature. So you'll see that theme carried throughout. But for that first collection, what I did was. I decided, okay, if I'm going to do a collection, I want to do it on something super passionate, memorable. So I did it based on growing up in beautiful British Columbia in Summerland, BC. And it's very much themed around experiences or things I remember from my childhood on the farm or being in the woods, like the stags. You know, we had a farm field and there'd be stags or deer in it every morning um, up until like, you know, the magpies in there and what have you and the dogwood blossom. So I took and gathered numerous photographs of things that reminded me of those. I had a few random things that were from childhood mementos, like a little tin, um, it's like an octagon tin that was my mom's. And it had an image of a nest on it with um, that I incorporated into one of the skews that I designed that had that nest notions with the, like the thimble in there. And I think mm-hmm. there's, you know, the needle and thread. So there are little things that are like, Oh, this reminds me of my mom or from when I was a kid, like she had that in her room. So there was very personal things. I think that's kind of commonplace for a few fabric designers where there is something memorable from their childhood or from the past that they incorporate into a design. So I did that. I did, like I said, I am not a classically trained artist. So I did sketch out stuff cause it's a good way to kind of like get my concept across. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my sister is a very talented artist and I did work with her a little bit on my first collection and a little bit on my second where I would roughly draw out something and then she redrew it and then working with Northcott, we'd work with that. Her drawing was a lot better. So we'd work with that and a lot of the images that I discovered um, to come up with a final skew. Um, colors, I, I took a whole bunch of like paint chips from like Home Depot 
um, you know, you can go get the paint cards, right? And just played with color combinations I really liked. Um, and it was kind of a fun way to do it. And coloring is always the last thing that we do with each fabric skew. So Northgard is out east in Canada and Ontario, and I'm out west. So we would have Skype meetings and we'd be working on a skew at the same time with scale. And I mean, that was something as a quilter with a couple years experience. I knew I had to have a small, medium and large motif, a blender. Um, so just knowing that knowledge of the fabric industry and quilting, I knew what would work and, you know, little things I wanted, you know, I wanted a bit of a dot or a stripe print. So it kind of incorporated that in kind of a fun, more um, non-traditional way with the plants and what have you. Um, and it was just, yeah, working with Northcott, you know, everything's black and white and then you play with colors, which is kind of the most fun part. You're like, oh, how does it look in this turquoise? How does it look in this shade of purple? Right. Like just playing with stuff at the end. So that must be incredibly challenging, though, to do over Skype, because, of course, computer monitors, you know, no two are alike. So how in the world do you get, you know, the concept across of the of the colors that you're thinking of that you see in your mind's eye? Yeah, it is sometimes challenging, but Northcott has um, an amazing team and Deborah Edwards, the design director there, I can't think enough. She's the one who, you know, found me and signed me. And she definitely, I feel like, is totally immersed in the natural born quilter brain. I think she knows at this point, you know, what my aesthetic is and we work together well. So it's it's great working with her when we're finalizing my collections and what have you. That's excellent. Okay, so then there was a second collection, and have you already released the third, or is it just coming? Yeah, my second collection was Prairie Meadow, and that came out last... Oh, this is all a blur, too, because the the pandemic really um, changed a lot of timelines for things within this industry of delays. So that came out last year, and Prairie Meadow was a bit of an homage to... um, you know, bread on the prairies and kind of country living and stuff. So a little bit more traditional in colors, but also really memorable things from uh, my childhood to visits to the prairies and reminiscent of me now driving on the prairies for work all the time. And in my third collection, which is called Wild, um, releases this August. So fabric will be shipping this end of this summer or early fall, depending. And that is reminiscent of we lived up in northern BC, Canada for a year. Um, in Utsa Lake in the middle of nowhere like I'm talking I think an hour and a half from anything really we had like a rate we had like a wood cook stove we had grizzly bears in the backyard um we had a we didn't even have a telephone we were homeschooled like it was it was rough in it so it's really reminiscent of being up in the middle of nowhere but back to some of those vibrant BC colors and that collection blends quite nicely with satin thistle which is kind of fun so I love that. So heads up to our listeners, be watching later this summer for that fabric line. I do think your lines are so, um, you know, you talked about the the mementos and the memories that you pour into them. We see that in them, you know, as consumers, we see the story that you're telling in your fabric and it's very, very well done. Very well done. Thank you. That's what it's, it's fun. It's fun to tell that story. And then it's really fun to, to come up with, a pattern design to display this story, right? Like that's a whole other realm of this industry that goes along with being a fabric designer often is doing the pattern design side of things. So, yeah. Yes. Okay. So I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but I would love to kind of play a roses and thorns or high and low game with you. So like, what is something that is your most favorite, most loved, most passionate part about the fabric design process? And then something that's harder or challenging, or even something you maybe dislike about the process. Oh, 
I know it's a hard thing. I think I think favorite would be kind of a tie between getting sample yardage because I usually get that in advance. Like you know, we'll design a collection, finalize it, it gets announced, and usually around that time I'll get you know some sample yards. Like I have a fat quarter bundle of wild, and I have to decide what I get to do with it. Um, is really exciting, and it's kind of like this you know anticipatory. Oh, is the mail coming and you know, the arriving? And birthday and, all in one. Exactly. Because it's <laughs> like, you know, we've worked on it so hard all on a computer and then seeing it in person is just like this amazing moment. Exactly. It's a like Christmas morning. And then I also really, really love seeing what people create with my fabric. That's like one of the most rewarding things. Like, you know, if people tag me on social media, um, I get to see it or people out and about, you know, at a local quilt store and they tell me what something they've made. That's really, really fun. Um, and then... Ooh, a thorn or something that's, um, hmm. I, it's funny. My, my brand name is natural born quilter. I do not love the physical quilting part of quilting. Interesting. <laughs> like quilting on, yeah. Yeah. It's not my favorite because I absolutely love piecing and just popping out all those quilt tops and being creative that way. That being said, um, I am diving into a little bit more, getting a little bit more comfortable with it. But I work full time. I have a kid that's being homeschooled the last two years. Like, I'm pretty tired come the evening. So, like, thinking about sitting and quilting and what have you um, is definitely probably one of my least favorite things. Yeah. I I can see that. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, and then too, I want, I wanted to ask, this is a new thing in season two of the podcast. I'm kind of doing this little rapid fire questions of things that just help us get to know you a little bit, but don't really have anything to do with quilting. So when you're in your quilting studio, do you reach for a sweet snack or a salty snack? I never bring food in my quilting Uh, studio. You disappoint me. I I always have coffee. (laughs) Coffee See, that was the next one. Coffee or tea. Yeah. Coffee. I was brainstorming these questions and I was thinking, you know, coffee or tea doesn't really cover it. What about the people that like frou-frou drinks, like strawberry acai refreshers, you know? Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So maybe that's a choice. And then, like, do you tend to work barefoot or with shoes on? Or, like, do you dress up for work? Or is it just something you do in your slouchies and your PJs? I'm generally... In bare, like with socks, I'm in the basement, so it's a little bit cool down here. Um, yeah, usually so barefoot, and it depends on the day. Like, normally it's like pretty comfy, it's like sweatpants and a t shirt. But like, if I'm doing some marketing or promo stuff where I'm recording myself sewing or you know, just for branding and whatnot, then I like you know, try to look presentable a little bit. <laughs> and I mean, they're kind of weird questions, but the truth is, we show a certain side of ourselves, right? On social media. 100%. And I think it's kind of fascinating to see what a working day actually looks like, you know, in someone's studio. So yeah, my so studio's for being fairly honest. clean, right? <laughs> yeah, my, my studio's fairly clean right now, but it was a disaster like a week ago. Like I should show that because it's like, this is what it really looks like. <laughs> you can have a before and after picture, you know, there's always <laughs> yeah. that option. So I'm curious what new things are on the horizon for you in the next couple of months? Any new opportunities opening up that we'd like to know about? For sure. I most recently became a Bernina Canada ambassador, which is huge and exciting. So So kind of what very, does what does that mean? You what does that yeah. mean? <laughs> I was I 
was sent a Bernina 770 Quilters Edition sewing machine to wow. basically play with for the next year and kind of represent the brand. So I just got this baby, which is absolutely gorgeous. Um, I think about two weeks ago, and I've been we've been learning from each other. It's it's a fun new experience. Getting acquainted, Lots of really, yeah, exactly. It's There's like a building a relationship. Hundred <laughs> percent. Um, I'm really excited. To, I've been doing some piecing on her and then um, just all the fun functions. Like, I'm excited to do some free motion quilting on it. Has um, she got so a that's... name yet? I have not named her yet. Okay. So I got to think of that. I think it's a her. Yeah. I think most sewing machines are hers. I don't know. Maybe it could be a, a they Often. or a guy. So we'll see. Um, so that's, that's the most recent exciting thing um to come and then upcoming for me i mean the pandemic has been so challenging usually i do a lot of teaching and workshops i ha- i did do a lot of virtual um presentations over the pandemic and kind of slowly starting to open up in-person ones but the biggest thing is in june in vancouver bc in canada i will be teaching three classes at quilt canada which is really cool so i have two of my own patterns i'll be teaching meadow valley and that pattern was released with stag and thistle and then grassland gala and that was a prairie meadow pattern that i designed and then i'm also a so kind of wonderful certified teacher so i'm teaching one of their patterns called cheek picnic um so i'm really excited to travel get back teaching in person it's one of my favorite things to do also get a break from my house <laughs> and um and see people with Exactly right. So yeah, yeah, I know I have a uh, lecture coming up this week uh, presenting at a local quilt guild, and I'm so thrilled about it. It's been way too long. Um, other than that, little fun, exciting things. Nothing official I can talk about there. I have started working on my fourth fabric collection, so that's exciting. Um, it's early stages, and being as busy as I am, as I've alluded to, you know, it's not rapidly that I'm coming out with two or three per year. I mean, kudos to people that can do that. Um, but I'm excited to continue working on that. And uh, yeah, just super excited that hopefully everything is getting back to a bit of a more new normal and getting back uh, doing quilty road trips with friends and sewing days and teaching and what have you. So excellent. Well, before we go, I wonder if you have a little gem of wisdom or something you've learned in your crafting journey that you'd like to share with our listeners. It can have to do with crafts or just life in general. Just some little nugget you'd like to leave us with. Hmm. I think I think some of the best advice or something that someone told me was that this industry is big enough for everyone. And, you know, you doesn't matter where you come from or what you're passionate about like there's room for everyone in this industry so i mean if you have a dream or uh in like inspiration to become involved more in the industry like just go for it and like take the plunge is kind of my advice i always say like i mean generally it's an extremely welcoming community um it's fun that everyone can be so connected over social media. Like just doesn't matter. Like if you're what country you're in, you can reach across the people and yeah. um, Just take the plunge is kind of what I would say, I guess. I so agree. And I agree too, that the quilting community by and large is so welcoming and so supportive. And I just love that about it. Love it about it. Well, thank you so very much for taking time to share with us. I know you're actually on your lunch hour from your day job, so I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was fun, Susan. 
Thank you for tuning into the show. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on the listening app of your choice? And please, please do share this episode with your friends that you think would enjoy it. I'd love to hear from listeners who'd like to nominate a crafter with a story to tell. If you know such a person, or you are one, email me at info at stitchedbysusan.com. So until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted. <laughs>